Why are you showing up here that weight? Uh, yeah, it's it's gotten embarrassing. Um, no, no, I think it's the no, no, no. Why are you showing up here that weight? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I think it's like. Why would you want to be that size though? Yeah, because uh, it's completely optional. No, I, don't, I definitely don't want to be this size. So, but what are you doing that's making you that big? Domino's. Uh, yeah, so you do want to be. Then. Yes, you do want to Addiction, be. Addiction though. It's, mm. I don't really want to be. You sat on this show weeks ago and argued that um, food wasn't an addiction, it was a choice, and that it couldn't be compared to alcohol. Yeah, but the, yeah, that's, yeah, I've kind of, yeah, that was... Uh, no, but it's absolutely embarrassing, I'm not having a go, but um, you look like a blimp. Do I, yeah. And I only notice it now that I'm obviously shedding weight. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. Um, I'm consuming around 650 to 700 calories a day. Yeah. Um, and I'm burning at least four. I mean, yesterday, for example, I was playing basketball yeah. with strangers, though. Do you know how hard you try against strangers? Yeah. Um, really competitive guys, the pair of them. Embarrassing blokes, really. Uh, started out kind of humorously. Obviously, my buddy or whatever was missing his shots, and they went eight and in up. Yeah. And then I started sinking threes from the other court, and suddenly I wasn't getting fouls that I was getting at the start of the game. Um, but... That's my kind of attitude. It's all about kind of health and wellness now at yeah. the minute. Like, if you paid me big, big money, I wouldn't have more than three points in a sitting. Would you not, know? Absolutely not, no. Um, I, I don't believe in it. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm in the gym. Yeah. I'm burning calories. But I, I normally hit a point, what normally sends me out of the gym is because I'm naturally a genetically gifted bloke, yeah. Um, if I start lifting weights for longer than like two or three weeks, I'll start seeing muscles I don't want. So why I went in to the gym is to kind of attempt to get cheekbones coming out of my face. Yeah. Or maybe wear kind of high-waisted trousers. Like I want to look like, do you know what I mean, that kind of John Travolta grease tightness. Yeah. But unfortunately for me, I start looking like Sean O'Brien after around three okay. weeks. Then I want to go home. I go home and then I'll get into the Domino's or the McDonald's because anyone who does have that level of muscle mass is oh, sacrificing yeah. some level of personality. Yeah. It's 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 a it's actually it's negative imagery to give off to the masses. If you have perfectly sculpted muscles on your body when you're walking around, it's basically just a sign saying this is how boring I am to an extent. And I'm all I do respect people who like sculpting their bodies but you are repeatedly lifting metal up and down yeah that amount of time that is yeah imagine the amount of time somebody who's in proper shape has done chest press or bench yeah, it's crazy the amount of we're, like you're talking a thousand a thousand times yeah, yeah, yeah. that's concentration camp yeah. level of repetition yeah um but one of the reasons why i have gotten so into um of course wellness yeah is our trip to barcelona last week yeah now, obviously, right now, I don't want to get in to the game. Yeah. I will. Um, like, obviously, all the problems that exist in Manchester United. But right now, I just want to focus on what about that trip inspired me to yeah. examine myself physically and now look like Matthew McConaughey. In that space of time, we're talking five days. But the reason is that the fans, if you ever want to motivate yourself to get to physical shape, hang around with numerous Manchester United away fans. Fans who, a lot of the times, do not support the team. Guys who have absolutely no interest in anything but getting fucking cocaine and strippers and smashing windows in Barcelona and just kind of, in their head, taking over this city and causing trouble. Like, not once did I hear a conversation about tactics or team selection. 
in the entire two days I spent in the city. Now, admittedly, we had to hang around in the square um, where those particular genre of fans were congregating, but that was due to the fact that we had to collect tickets off one of them. But um, even like people who you think are normal, uh, on, in Dublin Airport on the way over, I met two Northern Irish guys, similar to our age. seemed like nice guys. Uh, one of them was wearing a Manchester United tracksuit, so I just go, do you have tickets? No, we're in the home end. We're in the home end. You're not going to get that kind of weight tickets. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Seemed like lovely guys. I was like, fair play. Coming down from Belfast, going to Dublin Airport, going over to watch the Reds. Glorious. Obviously, you meet in Dublin Airport, then you have the plane, and then you see each other on the other side airport. Always a very awkward interaction. It's like, okay, but mate, we're not splitting a taxi. Do you know what I mean? You saw them getting onto the flight. The flight happened. You see them getting off. Don't say hello again. Um, the next day, we saw them in the city. We're outside a bar drinking glasses of beer, which is the only way beer should be consumed. The concept of pints is absolutely um, wrong. Um, embarrassing, to be honest. A pint of beer. Yeah, no, it's too much. So the two naughty guys turn around and suddenly these lovely guys at two in the day cannot stand. The game's at eight, so I don't know how they're going. In fact, I don't know how a lot of these fans are going. And it's so hard to get a ticket for these games and there's so many people back home who would love to actually watch this game. There's guys who can't stand by two who have a wasted ticket in their pocket. So he turns around going, Oh, yeah, you're on a fucking flight. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah, man, what's going on? Oh, yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do last night? I was like, Yeah, no, we just, uh, just took these. Obviously, we're still trying to get tickets. His mate pops up, You're not going to get fucking away in. You're not going to get fucking away in. I was like, Well, what's the point in this communication? Then he goes, Oh, we're in the fucking strippers. He's after spending his week's fucking wages in the strip house. And you're just like, Man, what? What is this? United are on a date. You can't stand. So the boys then are now taking their phone <clears throat> onto the road in Barcelona, looking into the fucking selfie camera, just singing to their mates like, oh, man, United, and this lovely Barcelona woman who's literally eating her 250 calorie <laughs> fucking piece of like recently caught seafood on a leaf just looks at us and like, is that your friend? And it's just like, no, this is so embarrassing to be associated with. No, it is not her friend. And uh, then he comes back to the table, we think it's over, and then he's just like, Err, do you have any fucking cocaine? He's like, man, we're going to a Champions League quarter final. This isn't day four it of witness. Which was what you know, witnesses. He oxygen. Yeah. Uh, do you have any cocaine? Why are you here? And, and don't be that bald. And they're both dressed like they actually were on their holiday circuit 2007. Like three quarters. Yeah, three quarter lens, man. <laughs> Oh my goodness, missing teeth. Baldness was unbelievably common amongst these fans. It has to be due to their lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. The genetics of baldness has to be overplayed. It seems like it's an unhealthy trait. It seems yeah. like if you are losing your barnet, um, you should question yourself to an extent. But drink, drink is a horrible substance, which we've touched on many times. But there was a story recently that I read. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, a publican... Has had to pay three and a half grand out. Do you see it? Because he asked a guy to leave his bar because he was too drunk. Turned out, said guy had a brain tumor, and that explained his slurred speech and general drowsiness. Now, first of all, three and a half grand is too little. That's unbelievably offensive, actually, kicking out a man who was going through such an illness. But the attitude of publicans has to change in this country. How do we accept it? They are drug dealers. They're like heroes. I've mates and all who. Had like a great education, yeah. had a great upbringing. 
their dads were publicans their dads were drug dealers so like the, the funniest thing is like publicans getting like a bee in their bonnet about people having fights in their bars like you've provided the substance that has led it to go this way as Brian Clough once said if a chairman sacks a manager yeah but he also hired that manager he should stand down too yeah if a guy who owns a boozer hands you six pints and then starts kicking you out because you get drunk, he should lock himself out too. The hypocrisy of it is absolutely insane. They don't give back near enough to society. What should they be doing? Their tax rate should be absolutely okay. through the roof. They are liable for most problems caused in our yeah. society weekend to weekend. They are drug dealers. They give out substances. They don't have drink-aware signs up in bars at all. No, like, actually, even bookies yeah. are starting to put them up. Like they fully promote and fully invite having six or seven. You're not supposed to. No. They're not designed to be drinking sixes and sevens. No. But these people, it's nearly forced on you. And no, why isn't a guard walking in, just even during a rugby game, going, sorry, there's guys in here having ten Guinness. That's a bath. That? That's a bath of Guinness. And, and, and then he has the audacity to, like, they're, they're so arrogant and have had it so easy that he has the audacity to turn around to a guy who has a brain tumor going, get the fuck out. <laughs> it's absolutely appalling, um, the attitude towards the whole thing. And that brain tumor story for me summed up a problem that is just tearing this country apart and has done for years. Everyone gives out about McDonald's. Yeah. Ooh, KFC, Burger King. Have you seen the food tossed up in boozers? Battered cod and chips. Go into fucking Paddy Cullen's there and ask yeah. for their toasted cheese. Cheese is hanging. Talk to me about fucking Big Macs. Disgusting people, publicans. Really horrible. Make their money off drug dealing. It's legalised drug dealing. Kicking out guys for doing coke in the bathrooms. Kick out your barman. Yeah. Because he's serving ethanol. He's okay. serving ethanol by the mass. Um, of course and embarrassingly enough uh, you are but sorry one thing I also noticed about uh, that, that trip when I was in the airport when we were over yeah. there is the amount of these kind of couples taking like their Easter breaks yeah do you know how many awkward conversations I had to listen to between boyfriend and girlfriend in oh, the airport they don't know each other they don't know each other. People aren't known each other. Not only do groups of lads kind of not really know each other, but make up for through WhatsApp groups, excessive drinking, and just avoiding each other's flaws, but couples. It's because like the invention of Instagram means that we can go on a holiday, yeah. and we both are in this for the same thing, social acceptance. We both want to deal with our own insecurities. Do I love you? Fuck me. I'm so not in love with myself, I can't even come close to loving somebody else. So here's what we're going to do. I'm thinking we go over to the airport, I wear a trackie and a white zippy and kind of white runners that kind of says, I run a promotions company and I'm ready to work out at any time. Or what I want you to wear is your lip fillers, a kind of jacket that kind of makes you look cute and have the exact same blondie brown hair that every single girl in the city has. When we're going through customs, we made a bit of a joke about the fact that we have to take our fucking shoes off. That's and right. then we'll laugh at the other one when they don't beep or do beep coming through. Then we're, of course, going to head to the airport bar. Or no, she might, like, go into a shop with them like, yeah. to, like, try or, like, just look at knickers. So, like, she can sort of <laughs> sell the idea of sexiness. So she'll go in. He'll follow her, like, with his big bag. You can nearly see his boner through his pants, like. And he walks in with his big bag like, with a big stupid white watch. And she'll just kind of rub swimming thogs and look at him, like... Nearly as if said, do you think I look all right now? He was like, kind of thinking and said, you look all right in anything, but also don't buy them, we don't have the money. Um, 
so then they'll probably go to the airport bar and take their picture but when they arrive they'll go to the hotel be kind of awkward yeah. she'll change out for five times she won't really let them see her naked when she's changing though she'll kind of do, do it with Jacks now and he'll kind of like flick through TV channels or else just open the room service menu and look at all the shit he wouldn't even dream of buying they'll then go to the restaurant they booked five weeks ago even though booking wasn't necessary bookings actually are never necessary unless it's New Year's do you know how much time people waste booking you're going to have to book that no you won't you walk in table for two max you're getting 20 minutes okay grand yeah i'll wait outside they get over there uh they go to these european cities and these cultured mid-20s couple um ingraining themselves in local customs by going to a rooftop terrace full of fellow tourists getting an espresso martini the funniest thing is when he's too much of a cheapskate to even sell the instagram like because they are an instagram couple and i don't mean insta famous i mean a couple who literally are together so they can advertise it on instagram to make people think they're happy the funniest thing is when he doesn't even actually have in them to get a cocktail because they cost 13 quid and she has like the little cute cocktail and he still just has this big fucking Amstel do you know what I'm saying but uh, no they don't know each other it's absolute insanity and it comes back to the notion of obviously of course these people aren't in love yeah but in your head as somebody who is openly chasing love to any of the uh, by the way female listeners out there uh, he is chasing love, so feel free to uh, hit him up personally. Yeah. Um. What do you, what do you think of its existence? Do you think love? it does exist? Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, I, I used to think it did exist, and I'd like, meet someone, and they'd just have a bond, and it would be love. Yeah. Do you uh, not think that everything though kind of stems from a personal want? It's how it makes you feel. Yeah. You get with a woman based off how it makes you examine your own life. And a lot of the time, females do the exact same thing. Like, people actually do most things for things that benefit their own lives. People go to funerals to, to be seen or to bump into people to, like, have the mourning in common. Yeah. There's no real need to be there. Like, the funniest concept is going away parties. Lads who are going away get 20 boys to show up in a bar yeah. who they haven't seen in a year and a half. Why are we here if you're going away? I haven't seen you in a year and a half. Because the person doesn't care that person's going away. It's kind of like, I might be able to come and meet a few people or show up my face. might be able to get a bit of conversation. I might be able to advertise some aspects of my life. But yeah, um, maybe. Do you think the concept of love truly exists? I used to think it did. But I've kind of grown more cynical to the... Love. Is that out of a place of loneliness or just a place of emotional maturity? Maybe emotional maturity. I don't think you actually meet one person and go, yeah, I love yeah. them. I think you might meet a few. And... Yeah, that's not really <laughs> what I'm asking you. Like, that's <laughs> your suggestion of being in love with a few people. No, I'm no, saying, I, though, I mean, like, if I you care. have, because the way kind of intersex relationships work in yeah. comparison to friendship, do you think there is a genuine love there do you think you're always kind of in it for how it makes you feel about certain aspects of your life whether it be emotional comfort yeah. whether it be the satisfaction you derive from somebody constantly validating you and telling you positive things about yourself i.e you are good enough is it how it makes you look to the masses does it sell normality for a lot of guys cases it sells the idea of heterosexuality because i can tell you and i'm not going to name names i know at least 50 blokes who are gay but aren't openly yeah. gay. And some of them take it out in different different ways. Some guys hit the gym excessively. Some guys uh, like really overly study and stuff like that and kind of put their energy into 
certain kind of career paths yeah. that they might not necessarily enjoy because they need their gratification because they're so constantly running away from their innate homosexuality. A lot of guys were went to a, an all-boys school where that kind of wasn't allowed to be expressed. And no. we can all sell the whole thing of it's all right to be gay. It isn't. No, Walk down the corridor it. of any male school in Dublin. Can't all males go, it isn't okay. It, it, it's appalling. In fact... The only thing that matters in those jungles is your testosterone levels. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great minds who are walking around the place at 14 or 15, but because they're not looking, picking up fucking wet floor signs in the car door, breaking over people's heads, their cues have just been soft. Yeah. So they're not really allowed to express themselves. And that whole thing kind of manifests itself for the rest of your life. How you have to kind of cage yourself for your inner feelings is what you become. So there's so many guys who are gay, but they're not allowed to say it. Like, it's okay to accept gays. We can all, we can all say, oh, it's absolutely okay. Like, you came out recently criticising Gareth Thomas again to <laughs> me I, privately. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did privately, yeah. What yeah. was wrong there? No, no, but you were saying that uh, you were saying that he didn't need to get involved. Yeah. In, what was it? No, I said he didn't need to post that video and let people know that he was... Yeah, but what I'm saying to you yeah. is, though, he didn't need to post that video and let people know. He's genuinely gay. This accusation that people are looking for attention is... Is ridiculous. They actually think about this for a sec. Yeah. Think about what it would be like for you to hold a penis in your hand. Yeah. To look at the top of the penis, yeah, yeah, yeah. and to actually possibly, possibly do something orally with that. Yeah. That for you is hell. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Oh, is it fair to say you take a bullet ahead of that? Uh, I don't know if I. Okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But you know why that is. Because you're heterosexual. Because you're straight. So if somebody's homosexual, they envisage the female genitalia in the same way you see the male genitalia. The concept of that disgusts them. So look how different you view them because they like penis. Just because it's a sexual thing. That's what they think of you. But they don't think of you as a person. They just think, oh, that's so sick. How do they do that? So because what we find, because what they do in a bedroom, they might disgust you sexually, you accuse them and just in your head have to go, they have to be faking it. No need for it. Don't shove it in our face. They're not shoving it in your face. If Gareth Thomas got beaten up for really strongly disliking Fanny in the same way you dislike Willie, so he thinks that's so weird, just genetically, naturally, he thinks, how do they like Fanny? Do you know what I mean? And there's guys coming up to him beating him up for for not liking your equivalent of the dick and they smash him and then he's in a position of power and publicity and what think about how irrational he finds that how unjust he finds that he's entitled to put up a video as a genuine genuine homosexual who has a hundred Wales caps rugby yeah. leagues caps had no front teeth played for Toulouse such a hard man, yeah, man. whose environment at all uh, didn't cause him to be homosexual it was just purely purely Genetic, genetic and innate and he's that frustrated obviously he's going to tell people in similar situations that I understand this frustration but eventually we can get to a place where this isn't accepted he didn't need to come out he's looking for attention like I've no problem with people disliking the behaviour of certain gay men yeah. but like young people say like oh, it's just two in your face about it no I think that you might be call that person um, a bit verbose a bit outspoken a bit outlandish, you might have a problem in that regard. Like, if a guy is too expressive with his sexuality in general, if a guy comes up to you and he is putting his arm around you and is dressed in leather, dislike him to the same way you dislike a girl, Crystal, doing the exact same thing, who's coming up to you and wants the crank and trying to sell her breasts yeah. and her buttocks in a way that's suggestive. It's the same category of behaviour, but this whole thing, we like, just don't want to know about it. It's a personality thing. It's not a sexuality thing. They're still genuinely gay men. 
Yeah, there's the accusation when somebody's over that's like, oh, like, we get it, they're going on about it, as if there's an element of lying. These guys genuinely do like penis to yeah. be the piece of genitalia used in, the, in their sexual acts. Yeah. Now it's a. Uh, now I'm all for that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who, of course, are gay and we can say we accept them, but they can't just because they, they just cannot. If they live for a thousand years, they'd never able they'd never be able to face up to it because we are still raised in a homophobic environment where up until five years ago, 15 months ago, being gay was, was a slang term and it was attached to negativity and it was always attached to negativity in these guys' minds. So a lot of guys get girlfriends who they've no interest in as a way to mask that. So there's so many reasons. I think I think you can find some woman that you do like more than others, and yeah, it's not about liking more. No, but then you kind of lo- learn to. But love do you like them more than yourself? Because you actually. But care this whole about concept of love, that soul, they, like this whole thing of like the kind of notebook story with the man sitting with his eighty-five-year-old wife and she dies, and all that's yeah. because like they're post-war. That's because the attachment of old romance it did matter. If you're down a fucking Vietnam trench or you were in Korea, and the concept of the woman keeping herself pure and waiting for, and you're writing love letters, and you've seen your buddies die daily you've seen amputations you've seen mass rape you've seen bombings yeah you've seen starvation and you go home and she's there in her apron and she represents freedom to you that in a way is love it's not still not natural yeah genetic love but it's a romantic idea and that's where the concept that got passed down that's what the beatles and all were singing about they're just slightly after that period and all these bands all you need is love it's still that beautiful concept but now with the role of woman in society changing and obviously them rightfully and finally getting educated their responsibility hasn't really been or isn't to still sell that idea of liberty to the fighting male so now that we're in a level playing field do you not agree that the concept of love quote yeah. unquote is diminishing in front of our eyes and we've quite clearly seen that okay I can understand liking company I can understand yeah, enjoying repetitive I'm sex doing. and maybe having someone to hold a kid or to have a kid yeah. with but the notion of love so you gone. think it's just companionship so I, I know not even really I'm saying to you is do you think you'd ever meet a woman who you'd have live ahead of you uh, maybe live ahead of you you'd end your existence for them to live you'd die I don't think so. You wouldn't, because the only person who you can actually share that connection with is blood. Uh-huh. Like, and until you have a child, that would be my attitude yeah. towards a child. The child would be the first person who I go, yeah, you live, all die. And because kind of this concept of, of love is kind of false, mm. and it does come from a place of suiting each other yeah. emotionally and kind of societally, how do you feel about the concept of equally sharing a child, genetic blood, your creation that actually does matter more with you, with someone else? I think I could do that because... Because I'm starting to flirt with the idea of surrogacy. Yeah, you're saying that. I'm starting to flirt with the notion of, like, if I have a child, they would be so important to me that I genuinely would want to educate them or raise them in a way that I deem fully fit. The idea of sharing... Their, uh, the kind of creation of their ideology with another person, for me, is extremely foreign. And do you not think you'd get, like, the best of both people but in that person? But, but what about if there's, like, fundamental differences? Like, I'd really like to sit down with, like, a daughter and properly get involved. I'm talking periods. I'm talking when they have their first period. It's traditionally the mom's yeah, job. Yeah. Go talk to your mother about it. Your dad doesn't know. But, like... As I said, we're in the we're in the era of equality. Let's seek equality. 
I don't really intend on sending a wife in there with a packet of tests. You're okay, love. You're okay. I take a Nurofen. I'm going to go, this is the buzz. You have your period now. You're going to start feeling things. Then give her a societal breakdown of how to behave. When you go in there tonight, I understand that you feel the need that you have to kiss your man. I get that. I get what it does for you socially. But if you do kind of feel the need to go downstairs or allow him to, it's wrong. Long term, it doesn't benefit you. He kind of only wants that so he can go to the lads later saying, I did that, I did that. You, You just kiss. You remain the forbidden, respected fruit. That goes with you into your 20s and your 30s. But you don't sit down and go, don't be going out there looking like that. Don't kiss. Go do kiss. Take them. Take them to water. Just don't drink them for it. Yeah. Because we're trying to preserve your respect long term. Actual, genuine. But like if someone found that as like over the top or let her do what she wants to do, I'd be like, no. That's no, no, kind of silly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like it is sexism to an extent. Um the way the, the father is expected to behave towards yeah, the dog. Like the whole, yeah, it's, it's just silly. Yeah. We should completely mix that shit up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Completely. Like the dad offers you the opinion on how you played that day, even if the mother knows so much more about sports. <laughs> like you're in, a, you're in a car on the way home, the dad doesn't even know the rules of the sport and he's offering you an opinion. When, yeah. uh, it's just it, those, those categories of characters are going to diminish. That's one of the good yeah, things no. about the acceptance of the possibility of love no longer existing. And that kind of woman represents freedom and the hardworking man. It's going to be a crazy world and it's going to lead to extremely, extremely balanced humans. Um, You're obviously, embarrassingly enough, an unbelievably big Tiger Woods fan. Um, Yeah, I was growing up. Yeah, why? Uh, because I like people who are good individually at sport. And no, it's not. That's not why. That's not why. You liked them kind of because you kind of bought into the whole kind of night. Well, like brand. I was a golf fan as well. But that's yeah. that's not even worth actually repeating. And don't say that on the show again because people will stop listening. Um, listen, Woods is a remarkable athlete. Has he been doping? Very, very debatable. Um, throughout the years. Uh, but no, as his father Earl Wood said years ago, I thought Tiger Golf from green to tee. Jack Nicholas learned tee to green. And apparently from the age of 14, he was as good as anyone on the PGA Tour from 130 yards on. Was the best pitch and putt player in the world since he was 10, basically. But one thing that's really frustrated me in the media this week and last week is this notion of the comeback. Yeah. Um, this is Nike and Sky Sports, because two huge commercial superpowers, selling you a narrative that doesn't exist. They're doing that because when Woods has got to golf, they make unlimited money. Yeah. Nobody thinks it's the greatest comeback ever. They've had Michael Jordan come out there, uh, who happens to be another Nike athlete, um, who, by the way, isn't still playing, so is willing to sacrifice yeah. his own achievements in order to keep the brand going. Air Jordan, he's more or less a part owner of Nike now. Him coming out saying it's it's the greatest comeback ever. Really? Yeah, Michael, um, you won three NBAs, you went and played baseball, three NBAs, you went and played baseball for two years, the Bulls didn't win one when you were gone, you came back and won three back-to-back again. Three before you played baseball with the Bulls, Bulls didn't win when you were gone. Baseball, you're now hitting a ball with a stick. You used to be throwing it into a net. You come back, they went free again. Shut up. There's a comeback that's better already. Greg LeMond, first American ever to win Tour de France, wins Tour de France 1986. Injures his wrist, 87, goes out shooting with a few mates. Accidentally gets shot. 20 minutes away from 
dying. Uh, he was bleeding at an extraordinary speed. Comes back, wins Tour de France in 89 and 90. Shot. <laughs> Roger Federer is another one. Like, we, we all saw that occur recently. Novak Djokovic, another one. But what really bothers me about saying Tiger Woods has come back, Tiger Woods, a guy who won PJ Player of the Year in 2013 and came second in a major last year. I mean, how long do we get for a fucking comeback? What really bothers me about him being called the greatest sporting comeback ever is the pure ignorance it displays towards George Foreman. George Foreman, one of the greatest boxers ever, if not the, better than yeah. Ali. Again, Aussie. just Ali have the brand of Adidas and the media behind okay. him. George Foreman retired with a record of 76 and 5. Yeah. George Foreman retired in 1977 to become a minister. George obviously got bored. He comes back in 1987, 10 yeah. years later. 10 years to box, not to play golf. Not to hit a ball and then walk after it, a game that 80-year-olds play worldwide. To brawl. Comes back in 87, wins 24 straight. And in 1994, at the age of 45, eventually wins the heavyweight title. What age is he? 45. But Tiger Woods has the greatest comeback ever. Absolutely embarrassing. And it just shows you. That's just that's just the way it is. The media sell narratives, and we chew them up. Yeah, we eat them. Uh, Ali, again, great fighter, but they use the whole kind of didn't go to war, spoke up for blacks, and because Foreman was a rival of Ali, even though he was a fellow African American doing huge things for their society, he also beat Joe Fraser, and because now he sells fucking toasted sandwiches, we don't give him the same credit. Seventy six and five. He's better than Ali all day long. Yes, he lost Rumble in the jungle in Zaire. But like, was he even allowed to win that? With the amount of kind of like politics behind that fight and what Ali was doing for the black community and him going to Africa and all. Was Foreman allowed to win that politically? Like he probably would have been arrested leaving the stadium. That's how much money was being generated into the sport by the kind of selling of Muhammad Ali. Um, and real quick... Uh, I don't know why this reminded me of it, but anyone who's listened to this, because I saw a few of these again in the yeah. airport with those boyfriend characters I was talking about. Anyone who's listened to this wears a medallion over a t-shirt, do stop listening. Do Probably stop listening. Day, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's not funny. Please stop listening. Um, we obviously are going to have to cover Manchester United in some way, shape or form. The only thing I'm going to say is this. Um when I went on my previous rants about how it wasn't a managerial problem and how sacking Jose Mourinho and backing Paul Pogba and allowing for the rise of player power was a mistake, I was doubted. People said it was Jose's fault. People said he didn't get the best out of Paul, but yeah, apologise. Don't apologise to me. Apologise to Jose Mourinho on whatever social media account you can get. If you can't yeah. find him, go, go into his son's. Start writing to his son and all. Say, I am sorry. Jose didn't have the power. Jose came second, got to an FA Cup final, and then Paul Pogba starts acting up. Mourinho comments on his performance at the World Cup, saying, I hope he knows what he did right, and I hope he can do it for Man United. Pogba throws his toys out of the pram, and you, fans, backed him and, t- and actually believed the manipulation of the dressing room by Paul Pogba against Jose Mourinho and went with it. Now look. Now look what's occurring. Player power is what Manchester United is. David De Gea ain't trying. Pogba ain't trying. 
people feel like they don't have to try. De Gea used to feel extremely fortunate to be at Manchester United. He used to feel lucky. He couldn't believe he was there. Every time he made a mistake, he was so embarrassed. And now he feels like we're lucky to have him. Um, every single one of them needs to leave. Yeah. Pogba, the poison, needs to leave. Yeah. If Rashford wants to behave like this, uh, taking rugby penalties every single time he has a free yeah. kick. Um, Rashford's quick. Don't get me wrong, he's quick. He has potential. Yeah, he does. He can't finish. He doesn't score enough goals. Um, he's not necessarily a great pass for the ball. His vision isn't extraordinary at all. If you compare him to a 21-year-old Wayne Rooney, it's absolutely comical. But I do like Rashford, and he is a Manchester boy, but if he wants to play hardball over his contract, well, there's the fucking door. Because Mason Greenwood's twice the player he ever was. Mason Greenwood, well, Mason Greenwood gets a goal a game at under-23 level. Marcus Rashford was a good kid, a very good kid, but he got his opportunity and he took it. doesn't have near the potential of Mason Greenwood. Uh, the club's in a huge spot of bother. Um, and it stems from Ed Woodward, a guy who has absolutely no knowledge how to run a football club, a guy who knows absolutely nothing about football, and a guy who believes in growing the club in everywhere but the pitch. We need to trust Solskjaer. He impressed me with his response. Uh, but the control of the club needs to be in his hands. We need to get rid of every single person who doesn't stand for that attitude and Paul Pogba you are an absolute fucking disgrace and Lingard can go with him just because Lingard had a good December 2017 doesn't mean anything he's an average average player just because he started for an England team in a World Cup that got to a semi that doesn't count with Ashley Young Harry Maguire doesn't mean anything but he's J-Lings so I I can't really imagine Ed Woodward letting that social media following slip out of Manchester United Notre Dame, of course, the iconic building in France, um, went up in flames. I remember you telling me it's something. It means something to you, doesn't it? Did I? Did I claim that? This whole, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's sad. The spike of a church went on fire. Yeah, they're raising money. It's crazy to rebuild it. Millions, millions. There's a uh, rape crisis centres. There's people killing themselves. There's homeless people. There's starving people in Africa. But we are giving money to bricks and mortar been resurrected. Ooh, it's been around a long time. So is the Raffarnham Road. <laughs> so if a path in the Raffarnham Road, which again, it's just bricks and mortar, yeah. like the churches, gets destroyed, would you, would you put money together to fix it? Yeah, How can it be justified? It should be illegal. The government should get involved. Even if it is independent funding yeah, or whatever it is, yeah. it should be cancelled. You shouldn't be allowed actually dangle that much money and wealth and opportunity in the face of people who need it. One of the most disgusting things of modern times is how much money has been raised. It's insane. Um, as I said, Raffarnham Village... Raffarnham Church, same thing. There's no difference. It's old. It, there was a Disney movie written about it. That that's half of it. That's half of it. Cause they're like that that whole brand they're selling for tourism, all the hunchback Quasimodo, absolute bullshit. Um, of course, our thoughts with all those people in Sri Lanka. You've said two comments to me recently. You said that uh, Sri Lanka wasn't getting talked about. One of the biggest news stories I've ever really? seen. Yeah, it's absolutely everywhere. Um, the richest guy in Denmark lost three of his kids. Did he? He owns 1% of Scotland. 
land. That's, that's, yeah, it is. Owns one yeah. percent of the overall land of Scotland. That's how rich this guy is. He owns like uh, a stupid amount of land, the Highlands, and he wants to preserve and all. He's a really admired man. He lost three kids there. Yeah. There were sixty-seven uh, foreigners that died there. Um, it's absolutely terrifying. Terrifying what occurred and, what happened? What? and tragic. Just suicide bomb. Suicide bomb. But that's, that's just you avoiding the news. You said the same thing about that poor dairy journalist who was uh, murdered. Yeah. And you said it's not, you said that it's not being talked about. It is being talked about. You're just not reading the news or reading newspapers. Uh, but there is slightly something different about when a woman gets murdered or like cold-bloodedly assassinated um, that doesn't actually gauge the same attention as a man. I mean, Joe Cox. <laughs> like, the, like she actually got murdered over her political beliefs yeah. about Brexit. Like actually yeah, murdered on the street. That should have been where's where's the film? Yeah, I don't know. Where's the blockbuster? If that was a if that was a male politician, man, imagine what w- would have occurred. Be a hero. And if it was a male journal, I think a, a gay yes. male journal who got killed, I do think it would have gathered more attention. So I slightly agree with you there, but uh, no, Sri Lanka is absolutely massive, and it's 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 particularly tragic. Um, in terms of the disappointing eleven, it lost a bit of energy. Uh, lost a tiny bit of energy in terms of uh, it just took too long it got interrupted by the Cheryl and Razor interviews so yeah we do apologise for that but it is back it is back one selection I probably apologise for is Jack Rodwell like although he was remarkably disappointing he's just not that interesting so um, I hope people are sticking with the Premier League 11 and still debating in their own heads um, but we're exploding back onto it this week left midfielder who is the most disappointing left midfielder ever playing in the Premier League? There's been a lot of them. You can't not consider Andre Arshavin. January 2009, he goes to Arsenal for the then club record £15 million. He just won the UEFA Cup, Russian League at Zenit, and just been to the semis of the Euros with Russia, making team of the tournament. In 2008, so just the awards that were just happening as he was signing for Arsenal. He's on Jan 09. In 2008, Ballon d'Or, he came sixth. Sixth. First season at Arsenal, scores 6 and 12, including four in Anfield. Wins their uh, Player of the Month twice and gets Arsenal Player of the Season. Comes second in that, according to a fan vote. Things were looking scary. He burst onto the scene. Uh, next season, looks good again. 10 goals in 30 games, 12 in all comps. He's still doing his thing, though. Still performing. The problem with Arshavin is that he never really seemed to give a fuck. Uh, Had a very, very weird weird childhood. Um, Took his parents' divorce very badly. Obviously, grew up in Russia. And his work rate just completely seemed to diminish. He kind of thought he was already established when he began. He was quite old. He arrived at 27. Um... According to Arsenal fans and media, like his work rate was absolutely appalling. Didn't he have one ounce of interest in tracking back? And once when quizzed by a journalist about um, what's going on with Arsenal at the minute, he said, ask them regarding his teammates. Had his moments in 10-11, of course, the goal against Barcelona. Um, but then 11-12, and 12, just fading out, 2-27. and 27, And then by the time 12-13... Came along, he was back on loan at Zenit before signing permanently, winning two more Russian leagues. Um, 75 Russia caps, 17 goals. 
he was supposed to be a remarkable player. It was scary when Arsenal got him because there'd been a lot of frustration from their fans in recent years about the kind of lack of purchase and that had occurred. But when he arrived, it looked like, okay, they've got the finger out. But what a failure. What a failure. And especially if you consider how he started and the rep he was coming with. He was an explosive Russian winger. Even his goal in Old Trafford in the 2010 season, he, he could... The four and Anfield. Four and Anfield. Like, I know that anyone could score a hat-trick and flukes happen. Yeah. Ray Parler got one. Maxi Rodriguez got a few. But four. To get four in Anfield, that doesn't really happen. It says something about you. And, uh, yeah. Huge disappointment. Number two, Joe Cole. Now, Joe Cole had a great career. Joe Cole won three Premier League titles. Joe Cole... Got 56 England Cup, scored 10 goals. But Joe Cole was supposed to be like the next Paul Gascoigne. When Joe Cole was at West Ham, he was the most technically gifted teenager yeah. England had seen for the last 20 years. Um, goes to West Ham at nine, of course. United offered £10 million from at 16 before he had even made a first-team appearance. It goes on to win the FAU Cup in 1999. Same team as Michael Carrick. They won 9-0 on aggregate in the final. 9-0. Uh, makes his West Ham debut at uh, 17 and by the age of 22 he played 126 Premier League games but he couldn't keep that West Ham side up in 02 and 03 they went down 42 points disgraceful and in August 03 he was picked up uh, the 6th player to arrive at Chelsea under Roman Abramovich for 6.6 million signed to replace Ola like that's that's why he came first season he plays 50 games Um under Ranieri and then of course Jose comes and Joe Cole plays his part and won the greatest Premier League sides ever they conceded 15 league goals um, plays 27 Premier League games scores 8 goals and then 05-06 and he's competing with players like Duff and Robin yeah. here 05 and 06 PFA team of the year 34 Premier League games 8 goals but he's only 24 here he's PFA yeah, he's team of the year it's kind of working he's won two leagues and you're kind of with Joe Cole's level of ability you should be looking more kind of PFA player yeah. of the year 06, 07 just kind of injured and he never really recovered from that um, forgot you had his technical gift versatility speed strength vision Pele once said he has the skills of a Brazilian Joe Cole kind of had everything but from the age of 24 on he only scored 14 Premier League goals from the age of 26 on he only scored 7 Premier That's League goals um, like 07-08 he's fine 08-09 injured and then in the double winning season under Ancelotti he uh, he does only score 2 goals but one was unfortunately the flick in Old Trafford yeah. he still showed up in a matter love playing against United but again it's all good we're looking for yeah, Joe Cole here we're looking for weird yeah Goes to Liverpool, and I presume only Liverpool fans. He was a free agent, I presume only Liverpool fans at the time. Um, despised that deal. Yeah, was he? He was only 28. He was supposed, like he should have still been good. He was Hodgson's first sign. and gave him 90 grand a week, which which was huge Yeah. In, in, in 2010. He only plays 20 Premier League games for Liverpool, scoring two goals. And then, of course, goes to Lille. Um. Then he stints at West Ham Villa and it just kind of petered out for Joko. Never played for England again past the age of 28. Um, and for a guy who has three leagues and two FA Cups and a PFA team of the year, it just shows how promising he was to still be considered disappointing. Yeah. But Joko was 
Joe Cole was a bit of a shame, really. Yeah. And did you bring anyone for this week? Or? Uh, Robinho. So Robinho was uh, obviously the first signing of the new city. Yeah, era. so in a way, like, a lot of city fans would cite where were you when Robinho signed. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, he's kind of has positive. He does definitely have positives, but just his. That's he'd be viewed positively. Probably by, by city fans. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So why was he disappointing? Uh, well, he signed for thirty-two million from uh, Real Madrid at the time. Yeah. Um, he's very good at Real Madrid. Obviously, he was cap Brazil for Brazil at that time, <clears throat> uh, and he came to City and scored I think fourteen goals in his. First season, which was yeah, very man, you're in like, you're, you're, like, you're like in a mood now. <laughs> you're in like too bad of a mood to continue. It's so can't put people through that. Uh, you've been in a mood for the day, actually. Probably the most disappointing episode ever, uh, because you can be quiet, but don't ever show up here angry again. And uh, whatever problems you have, you, you keep them private. It's unfair in the listeners um, who who tune in and have been waiting for. Like you've become a bit of a character to them. Embarrassingly enough, I don't know why, but. In a way, you're kind of a small-time comedic icon, and to show up here with that attitude is fucking crazy. Fuck you, Anne Rubinia. <laughs> the winner and left midfielder on the Premier League's most disappointing eleven for me, is absolutely obvious. Harry Kew. Harry Kew goes to Leeds in 1995. Chaps from Australia. It's not easy to organise no. that. Um, three seasons in the U2. Wins the FAU Cup in 97 with Woodgate, Paul Robinson, Alan Smith, all the boys. As a youth at Leeds, he ruined with Nicky Byrne from Westlife. And that's that's just weird. Um, makes his debut for Leeds, a 17 against Borough in 1996. But his first main season comes in 97-98. Um, 29 Premier League games, second season, treble season for United but for Leeds. Obviously not. Uh, score six Premier League goals in 38 games. And then in 99-0, we're starting to see a freak here. In all competitions, 17 goals, 20 assists. Getting a PFA Team of the Year and also winning Young Player of the Year. That summer, Inter Milan come knocking with a £25 million offer. Rejected by Leeds United. No wonder they became financially fucked. You're turning down 25 million, which now is basically yes. 70 for a guy from Australia. Oh, 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 one. Good again. Gets to the semi final of the European Cup with Leeds. And he just stayed weirdly consistent and brilliant throughout his time at Leeds United. He was one of their great yeah. players. Uh, oh, two, oh, three, 14 goals again. Like this, this is a. This is a big deal. Like he was, he played in the wing. He got one and four yeah. in the Premier League for Leeds. So when he didn't, he didn't stay with Leeds to go down. He left the season before where they were kind of flirting with it. When he became available, everybody was in from United, Chelsea, Arsenal, everybody. But Harry Kuehl, we met Harry Kuehl. Remember that? Yeah. So embarrassing. You were like breeding on him and all. Harry Kuehl wanted to play for his boyhood club. That being Liverpool Football Club, and he signed. For nine million plus add-ons in in the summer of '03, he's twenty four years of age. So good was he that like Vladimir Smitzer had to give up the seven shirt from an off. Like yeah, like gave the yeah. got a shirt off of an already established player. Um, the excitement was unbelievable. They, yeah. they had their player. First season not the worst. Scores that great goal in the Merseyside derby. Gets seven league goals. In all comps he gets eleven. And then it just started getting terrible. Um, 0405. He was actually booed off in the final with fans accusing him of faking an injury. Controversially selected over Didier Haman 
for yeah. tactical reasons and it obviously didn't work. You can all actually argue that Harry Kill's injuries debatably the reason why Liverpool won in Istanbul uh, had a hernia problem all year. It actually was soon discovered. Maybe that's why he only scored one goal. Um, 05, 06 again, poor three goals. FA Cup final, gets injured again. 06, 07 plays two games. 07, 08 plays ten games. It is finished. It's just gone. Harry Kuehl completely fails. The most promising winger since Ryan Giggs, the Premier League has seen. PFA Young Player of the Year. Youth Cup winner. Scoring those numbers of goals for Leeds. Champions League semis. Goes to Liverpool, the big arrival. And you're at Galatasaray by the age of 29. How bad you have to be to go to Turkey. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Robinho's there now, actually. Hey, man. <laughs> Um, at Galatasaray scored 22 goals in 3 years and didn't even win a Turkish league disgracefully disappointing Harry Kiel and he has to be in the side yeah. alongside Bartes Richards Jones Woodgate Bogard Rodwell Varane unquestionably he has to be in there with Angel de Marie on the other side um, again if you do want to text comments into the show or your opinions on the show just put them in the itunes review section that's what it's for and also the disparity between listeners and followers on spotify is insane in fact it's, it's wrong and um, so uh do what you can in that regard have a good week i'm show. Sure.